0: Good morning, everyone. Let's pray real quick. Lord, help us to bend to your will. Grant us that repentance as we read your word. Let it shape us instead of us trying to shape ourselves. Lord, undo the teachings that we've received that are not in accordance to your will. Make us teachable in our spirit, O God. We render ourselves to you and embrace what you have for us today. Please bless this time and your people. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, for new folks around here, I just want to make sure you guys understand and aren't startled we're very participatory. It's because we're actually traditional. We go all the way back to the beginning and we say everyone has a hymn psalm, or spiritual song and there's a general principle of participation, so don't be weirded out by that. All right, I want to start... Uh, we're going to go through First John 2, but does anybody remember what's, uh, what's something unique about Gnosticism, which has to do with the kinds of people he's having to deal with in this time? Do you remember those who are here? Yes. So I know it's the, na- the, it's the belief that all physical is bad and all spiritual is holy, and, and they, they have two reactions to it. They're like, oh, I'm flesh, so I'll just be sinful because that's just how it is. And then there's the other reaction to it of, oh, well, I'm only food, I'm going to be super monk-like and super holy. So those are kind of the two directions. Right, that's a great point. So there's the dualism, right, that everything that's material is bad, everything spiritual is good. You can deal with sin in a couple different ways. Sorry, I'm just repeating what you say, but it's for the mic and the people in the back. That you can either go the route of saying, wow, my sin doesn't matter because it's something fleshly. It doesn't have any effect on the spiritual, right? Or you can say, my flesh needs to be punished so bad, and that's how you kind of pay for it or purge the material from your spiritual life, right? It's called dualism. It's really pervasive in our culture if we really look at it. Um, Is there any other, how do you get saved? What's a salvific thing in Gnosticism? Do you guys remember? It's usually knowledge-based. Yes, like special knowledge, intuition, cool, um, you know, personal experiences. So, we're going to launch off of that. All right. I've asked the elders to read some confusing passages to you. So, <laughs> Gerald, we start us off with First Samuel 6.
1: The men did so and took two milk cows and yoked them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. And they put the ark of the Lord on the cart and the box with the golden mice and the images of their tumors.
0: Thank you Enlightening. (laughs) All right, Steve, go with judges. Even worse.
1: Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, "If you will give me the Ammonites into my hand, then whatever comes out from the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites shall be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering." Uh Then. Jephthah came to his home at Mizpah, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with tambourines and with dances. She was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. And at the end of two months, she returned to her father, who did with her according to his vow that he had
0: made. Yeah. So what was that vow, right? It was a burnt offering, to turn her into a burnt offering. Yikes. So, uh, encouraging stuff this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start off by asking for your participation. How does the world pay for their mistakes? Give me some good examples. What's a worldly way to pay for your mistakes? Discipline. Like, wake up early, all these
1: habits. Just making up good deeds. Prison. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Someone say, pay it forward pay, <clears throat> pay, pay it forward or pay
0: back. Potentially, someone else. Confessions. <laughs> Apologize. Religion. Religion. You have
1: you create a holy man and a holy building, and you take care of them. Let's got mm. A tolls for you. Yeah. yeah. Give them ten percent. <laughs>
0: All right. How do we pay for crimes? So we got prison and death, what else? Loss of privilege. Loss of privilege.
1: <clears throat> Restitution,
0: money. Let's <laughs> spell that right. Yeah. Hang on. Restitution, fines. Okay. How's that? Community service. Oh, community service. service. I'm sorry. All right. And Let's hold off for just a second. How do we pay for something like genocide? Reparation? It's uh, like a monetary payment for something done in the past against the people. Mm -hmm. Generational stigma. Stigma? Generational stigma? Like, don't trust the Germans? (laughs) (laughs) Man, nobody put revenge. All right. (laughs) Just... (laughs) I guess that does go back to paying back. Alright, so we have a lot of stuff. Uh, people are going to try to f- find a way to pay for sins. usually pay- paying someone back for what they did to you, right? Rather than you trying to pay back what you've done.
1: There seems to be an assumption on what you're saying is that pay back is required. The, the pay for sin, the paying for crimes, all these things are, is required. Pay payment.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it seems like, you know, a sin has to be answered in some way. And that's what we have here. So I'm going to read from 1 John 2, and it says, My dear children, and this is something that John brings up over and over. It's the word technia in Greek. means dear little children, young children. I write this to you so that you will not sin. So his purpose isn't to excuse sin. He's saying, I don't want you to sin. And something about what you're going to read is going to empower you to avoid sinning. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. You know, the one thing up here that almost gets it right is revenge. Because Hebrews 9.22 tells us, there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. But, you know, if we're not to die for our own sins, or we're not to turn this into a a war-ravaged world, Jesus is the only payment that wipes away sin. None of this other stuff is going to pay for sin, ultimately. None of it. And we keep trying all this stuff to overcome humanity's evil. But it's truly, only Jesus' blood has the power to take it away. What's great about what he's saying here in 1 John 2 is he says, it's not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. It's not something just for the Jews. It's not something just for the people back in that time. It's something for all peoples. What a wonderful thing, by the way. You don't have to learn Arabic like, uh, you know, in Islam, you've got to do your prayers in Arabic and everything. You don't have to convert to a tribal identity. You need Jesus. That's it. That's a wonderful thing. I want to um, erase some of this stuff up, and I want you guys to be thinking about this. What are the marks of a Christian life?
1: Well, the scripture says that we will be known by our love for other Christians.
0: Patience. That does not have a practice of sinning in the context of what Christian telling
1: You enjoy beyond, regardless of circumstances. Modesty. Whether that be with like clothing or just a lifetime.
0: Maybe humility.
1: Giving of either time or or treasure.
0: So maybe generous. Generous. Would that be all right? We have Got hope faith. I love you guys. Fill this thing up really quickly. All right. we're being set up. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just. Oh, <laughs> that's wrong. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's not what we're going to do here. All right. First John three says, "We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands." All right. So what's John say? Obey commands. We got that one? Yes. Survey says? <laughs> there it is. All right. Thank man. Hang on. We'll we're going to keep reading on this one. The man who says, I know him. Remember, Gnostics, they love to say that they know something special about God, that you don't. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a... But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. But thankfully, he's going to flesh that out for us a little because that's so broad. How do you walk as Jesus did? Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you've heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. So the thing that they're struggling with in this church, again, is this division between people who say they're Christians and people who really are Christians. And John is providing the clarity here. He's making a list and checking it twice, literally. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) you're going to see this over and over and over in 1 John, but you're a liar if you say you're a Christian and you don't love your brother. You are not one of us. If you don't generally keep the commands of God live your life like, you know, like God doesn't exist, you're a liar no matter how spiritual you think you are, no matter the cool experiences that you've had. This is what John is calling out. That doesn't matter. It's very simple. You know them by their fruit, just as Jesus told us. John has to bring this clarity, though, because they're confused They're confused. Who is my brother? Who is the one who is truly Christian? We have to go back to basics on this one. So he's going to also, um, yeah, let's see here. This is just talking about the evidence of salvation, but we're going to go further into just how our identity is in Christ. And that's what John's going to do right now. I told you he's checking it twice because he's going to repeat it over and over. I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. So, we've been forgiven. I write to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from the beginning. Do these people know God? Do they think they do? We actually know God. I write to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. I never capitalized that, by the way. Just a little dig. (laughs) (laughs) I write to you, dear children, because you've known the Father. You already got that one up there. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you're strong. And the word of God lives in you. And you've overcome the evil one. Does this describe you? If I were to just kind of take this over to the side. Are we people who are known for obeying God's commands? Is that something that is strong in your life? Do you walk as Jesus did by loving your brother? Do you walk in the belief that you are forgiven, truly forgiven, or do you remain in guilt always, punishing yourself over and over for something Christ paid for? Do you know God? Have you overcome the evil one? Are you strong, and does the word of God live in you? Does the word of God just flow through you normally? Is that something that comes like a spring out of your mouth normally? Do you act like someone who's been forgiven of an immense debt? I heard once that someone claimed, think, Oh, it's, you know, John's this elderly, older... Fatherly figure, and he's repeating himself a little bit because he's just older, and that's what he does. I think it's us need to be reminded. It's us who forget. Yeah, exactly. John loves being almost overly simplistic and basic because he can't get it through our thick skulls. <laughs> that's really what it is. <laughs> well, it's not a problem of knowledge, it's a problem of will. Of spirit. Not a problem of knowledge, but a problem of spirit and will. Perhaps, yeah. Well, he goes further. I'm going to keep reading in First John 2. Do not love the world or anything in the world. So we reject the world's worldview, its culture, its behavior. All that stuff is to be foreign to us. <laughs> if anyone loves the world... The love of the Father is not in him. This, by the way, is not a contradiction with John 3.16, where it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. This is saying, if you love the way the world does stuff, there's an issue there. And you're slated in with these liars and people who are pretenders. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man... The lust of his eyes and the boasting of what he has and does does not come from the Father. None of that is spiritual. None of it. Or if it is, it's bad. (laughs) The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Let's keep going. Dear children, this is the last hour. John is writing to some people who are about to Experience some hard stuff. And as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming. Does anybody know what he's talking about there, by the way? Antichrist? Some, I, somebody's got to know. The invasion of Israel and the destruction of the temple. Okay, so the invasion of Israel and the destruction of the temple? Around what time? 70. Maybe 70 AD. Yeah, there's a, there's something that is very soon going to happen to these people, and that's probably what it, it's something that it could be the destruction of the temple and the scattering of these people. Um, this is also brought up in First Thessalonians, right? The man of lawlessness, things like that. So it says the antichrist is coming. Even now, many antichrists have come. There's more than one. Oh no, were you taught that there was only one? You guys need to wake up? If so, there's not just one. It's actually a class of people who are denying Christ. It's not just a person. This is really, really important. In the book of Revelation, which we always talk about the Antichrist being in there, never mentioned. And the same guy wrote it. <laughs> so the idea of the boogeyman, I don't know that that's really for us. There's something much more serious going on here that where he's saying these antichrists have come. And this is how we know it is the last hour because these people are among us. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. Just like that. Just like that (laughs) marker. I planned that. (laughs) (laughs) For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Ooh. There's some good Calvinism for you, right? They never were a part of you, you know? <laughs> they never had it, yeah. I think that's really interesting to us, right? Is there are pretenders. There are people who aren't saved among us. And we have to understand and discern who those people are. John's giving us some clear direction here, right? He's saying, here's what they look like, here's what they don't look like. And it ain't according to whatever criteria they're bringing to the table, People will tell you they're saved by a number of different ways. Count on those who show it to you with their life and who declare the word of God and how they testify. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. I'm sorry to anybody who's dyslexic. This is, this is going to get really bad. <laughs> a lot of stuff on our side. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. So these guys are actually antichrists. They deny that Jesus is the Christ. We'll get into that in just a second here. But it says here, Such a man is the antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Wait a second. I thought we all believed in the same God. I thought Abraham's God was the same God of three religions or something. How does that work? (laughs) Yeah. No, these people are anti-Christ if they deny that Jesus is the Christ. You have to say this stuff. You know, John is telling you some basic stuff. I'm sure all of you have heard it before, but it bears repeating and it bears firming up that if you don't have this right, there's something wrong in your life. Understand there's pretenders in the church who are going to try to lead you astray and say it like it is. If you reject Jesus, but you somehow claim that you've got this relationship with God, you're an antichrist. And you don't know God at all. If you reject Jesus, you've lost it. Period. Now, what does Christ mean in Greek? The one who saves. One who saves? What? Anointed one. What the heck does that mean? <laughs> What's anointing? Chosen by God, set apart, being a, being a priest. Okay. Could be a king. Huh? His oily hair. Oil. Oh, could be Italian. That's right. <laughs> I'm told that that was supposed to like control bugs in your hair or something like that too. <laughs> but who knows such things. See that what you've heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. Amazing. Um, some of the men in the congregation have readings to do, so we're going to start off with John fourteen twenty-six before we go further.
1: But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you.
0: Right? So the Holy Spirit is going to teach us all things. All right, who's got Ephesians 4.30?
1: Do you not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption.
0: So we're sealed with what? The Holy Spirit of God. Amen. And Ephesians 1?
1: In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him... We're sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit.
0: When were you sealed? When you heard the word of truth. Yeah, and when you obeyed, or when you believed in him, right? That's when you got it. All right, uh, who's got 1 Samuel 10, some of the excerpts there?
1: I have it. This is kind of the negative part of it. <laughs> It's about Saul. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over the people of Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be a sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. And then let's uh, into verse 9. When he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all these signs came to pass that day. When they came to Gibeah, behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God rushed upon him, and he prophesied among them.
0: So we have this really interesting moment in history where Saul is anointed the king of Israel, and he receives this new heart, in a sense. And he starts prophesying. And it's because the Holy Spirit has come over him. It's very interesting. That's the Old Testament. There's something a little bit different about the New Testament in that it sticks. <laughs> 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 but um, who's got First Samuel sixteen thirteen? Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward, and Samuel rose and went to bring So there's this interesting relationship between being anointed and receiving the Holy Spirit, right? So that was with, uh, with David. Who's got 2 Corinthians 1?
1: And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us, and who has also put his seal on us and given us the Spirit in our hearts. As a guarantee.
0: So that's how it all comes back together for us, right? Mm -hmm. The Lord has given us the seal, the guarantee of his Holy Spirit on us that guarantees that we're saved. Mm -hmm. This is mind blowing stuff. How is it that on entrance you get everything into this club? (laughs) You know. (laughs) There's no higher membership. Uh, than that. I mean, you get the main prize just for believing in Christ. You were sealed. Guaranteed. Is there anything guaranteed in this world?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Taxes.
0: Taxes? How about, is there anything guaranteed after this life? (laughs) Is it mind-blowing to you, people of God? that he guarantees your salvation, that he seals you with his Holy Spirit? Is there not an appreciation among us that we're sealed, that we're anointed, set apart? for? It's, it's, it's a sign of honor for us. It's a sign of holiness that you have a purpose in God and it is for him and to him and to, for his glory. It is a sign of God's power over you and it is a sign of the Holy Spirit. If we read further into uh, 1 John, he's going to talk about anointing. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. Ashtray, astray, I, (laughs) I don't know. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, that is the Holy Spirit. And as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it is taught you, remain in him. Is there a counterfeit anointing? What does that look like? The enemy disguises himself as an angel of light. Satan looks like, is like an angel of light. And, and the serpent's. The, um, I, it may have even been you mentioned a few weeks ago but the serpents of Pharaoh that his magicians created I mean he he can deceive and, and pretend and get visions and pretend that so there's like false signs almost yeah and there's false visions false teachings what else what's, what else is a false anointing How anyone
1: who says of themselves don't touch God's anointing don't touch
0: God's anointing I Anyone
1: mean, that says that about themselves' probably yes. like, oh, false <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, because that's, that's based really in the Old Testament, right? And was about sort of how you relate to the government that God had chosen at that time, right? And that, because now, who is anointed? Everyone who, believes. Everyone who believes in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? So, if Christ means anointed one, an antichrist means What? You see the wordplay that he's doing here? He's talking about people who are antichrist, and then he's talking about anointing. He's trying to draw your attention to a clear division that must be made in the church. There is a division between those who are actually in him and those who are not in him. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. That is one of the things that the Spirit does in John 14 is he's teaching us, sanctifying us and bringing us to the Father, sanctified and confident. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. This is what I said that John would be doing, right? In the first sermon, I showed you guys that there's this fog over these people. They don't know what's right and what's wrong. They don't know who's really a Christian and who's not a Christian. And they got to have this list to tell you this. If you guys really pay attention to your life, you realize that these are very deep truths. There's so many people who got great charisma, but that's not enough. Right? There's some people who, man, they can quote you every single scripture, but they hate their brothers you know they don't act the part they're not filled with the spirit they don't act the part they're not anointed now he's talking to you about something it's not like oh that guy did that one thing that one time <laughs> he's talking to you about a pattern here does your life generally look like you're following Christ or does it look like the world yes sir
1: i just i keep thinking of the one that, that's kind of there but is too you know, I think of that where they say Lord, Lord, and he says you call me Lord but then you're not obeying me but at some level what the key point here is, is you surrender you recognize, you you bow to, you obey that he is Lord that he is your Lord and he is the Lord and that, I mean that's it and on the other side it's like he's not my Lord, I don't have a Lord
0: I'm going to do whatever I want yeah, and I think it gets really hard, right, when people sort of straddle the line. How do you straddle the line? you either going towards him or away from him. Right. What are you doing if you're in between? Pick a side. Is he enough or not? Is Jesus enough? I'm really marching towards that day where he says, well, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to be passionate about in my life, Right? I want to hear those words when I get up there. The Holy Spirit is doing the work to make us confident and unashamed before him. We are the ones who do the right thing. And so I'm just going to do this in summary that, look guys, only Jesus can pay for sin. This is really hard to actually get into your life because you think you have to do penance. Typically religious people really like that one. Look at what I did for my sin. It's not about that. He paid it so that you don't have to. Also, you can't really pay for it. If you're going to try to fix things in the world, let me tell you something about the genocide side of things that I erased from the board here. In World War II I'm sorry, in World War I, uh, you know, the Germans were like the bad guys again. Um, and, yeah, that's right, yeah, the first time. Um, And then they were ordered to pay for the war after that. They just paid it off, by the way, just a few years ago. (laughs) Just letting you know. Uh, But yeah, that was part of the treaty after that, is that they had to pay for everything that they had supposedly done, or that they did do. Not supposedly. (laughs) You can strike that from the record. Um, (laughs) But what happened was they tried to print money to pay for those reparations. And uh, they ended up bankrupting the country, basically. I mean, it got so bad that they were taking their money and instead of using it as money, they were burning it to keep warm. That's how worthless it was. And the, the culture sort of fell into disarray. Their economics fell apart. Um, they fell in devices. Their culture really disintegrated. And then this, uh, they needed some like, strong guys to come in and sort of bring everyone together. And that's how the Nazis really rose to power, was in this vacuum of power. All because they tried to pay for sin the wrong way, I I believe. Only Jesus can pay for sin. He is our payment. And that might be really hard for people who are victims to understand. But we, even if we are victims, have been forgiven of so much before God. How can we ever... Go away from this. He is our justice. If you look at the cross, that is the justice that you're looking for. There is no other payment for sin. It is once and for all, and it is powerful and mighty to save. John's telling us, by your fruit, you're going to know him. And if you don't produce fruit, pray that God would grant you repentance. Believe in Jesus. Repent of walking in the ways of this world. Because if you do believe in Jesus, you're not going to belong in this world anymore. You're not supposed to either. You guys get that? I'm sure a lot of you get that. You're not supposed to belong to this world. You're not supposed to fit in. You're supposed to be a little bit weird and off. (laughs) I use that as a personal excuse all the time. (laughs) It's me being holy. (laughs) But seriously, why do you try to fit in so much? You don't have to. You have one person to please, and that is God Almighty. You are a chosen people. Anointed people. You are set apart to have the Holy Spirit working through you in the power of God. I
1: just want to make one... Uh, one comment. Sometimes some of the verses that we've talked about this morning, um, the enemy can use to cause a believer to have doubt. And it makes them very ineffective in their walk with Christ because they're always questioning whether they truly are a believer. But I just want to reiterate what John is saying, and even in the the passages, the passage that we refer to that Jesus said, by the fruit you'll know them." he is not Talking about somebody who um, just maybe at times their faith is weak and those kind I mean he is talking about somebody who hates God, hates God's people, denies that Christ was who he said he was. I mean these you know, what Jesus talked about, you know by the recruits were people that were literally trying to deceive people for their own profit their own gain. They were false teachers. And, uh, so I just wanted to just to remind folks you, you said it throughout the teaching. Just remind folks that what we're talking about uh, in these this category of liars or people that are they're really they are anti Christ. They are anti God, not somebody who believes in Jesus and is walking, but they keep stumbling or they're 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 struggling in their in their faith. I think sometimes the enemy can use those versions to cause somebody to be very ineffective in the walk.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. Well, um we're going to end in prayer and thank you guys for your time today. Father, we're so grateful that you did pay for our sin. We don't there is no way we can talk about it enough. There's no way we can express to you enough. There's no amount of penance there's no amount of prayer that could ever repay you for what you've done. So we just say, thank you, God. Thank you so much for paying for our debts. The things that, and for, for paying for the sins of people who have wronged us. Because now we don't have to take revenge. We don't have to pull blood from them. We don't have to do that. We're so thankful for that. And God, help us to embrace the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives that is constantly sanctifying us and changing us to be more and more like you dear Jesus. Oh, we look forward to the day when you come back. Oh, we look forward to that day when the struggle is over and we can finally just be with you and praise you forever. Until that day, help us to walk, Lord, glorifying your name with how we walk. Help us to lean on one another, dear God, so that we're not running this alone either. We praise you, Father. May your people be encouraged. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: This message was produced by the New Testament Reformation Fellowship. Reforming Today's Church with New Testament church practices. Permission is hereby granted for you to reproduce this message. You can find us on the web at www.ntrf.org. May God bless you as you seek to follow Him in complete obedience to His Word. May your faith in the Lord Jesus be strengthened and your daily walk with Him deepened.